is a Utah True Crime Podcast with Kobe and Brian. My name is Jeff Bundy. I'm a killer. Now that time I tied him up. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls. As well as cannibalizing and raping their headless bodies. Alrighty, welcome back to the show. Just me again. I'm going to do a mini. Um, I want to thank the people that do listen. The 30-some that follow, but like the 15 that listen. Appreciate you. Anyway, we're going to do some couples like Thanksgiving-themed killings. Not really like with a turkey or a baster. Which would be pretty gross. Um, but there will be a lot of blood and guts. So, And then after the two stories, I'll read some Reddit stuff. People seem to like that. I don't like Reddit for a lot of reasons. Anyway. Um, so this first one. Uh, Fox 13 was my sources for it. Just last year, a cold case was solved about 50 years after it had happened. An army veteran was killed, and his date was kidnapped and raped on November 26, 1972. Gregory Nickel took his date to a scenic view in Vernal, Utah. While parked at the overlook, a man knocked on the window, saying there had been a car accident and he needed help. Then when Gregory turned from the window, he was shot three times. The man pushed his body onto his date and threatened her as he drove the car The car to a second location where another car was waiting with another man who was his partner in crime. Then they drove near Burrow Reservoir. Burrow Reservoir. They then used gas from the car to set Gregory and his car on fire. The men put the women in the the second car and drove her about 60 miles from where she was kidnapped before each man raped her. The woman said after raping her, they had abandoned her on the side of a highway where she walked to a nearby farmhouse for help. Because the woman's head was covered with a blanket for the majority of the time, she was not able to provide a good description of the men. Officials searched for days to try and find the men, and the evidence was submitted to the FBI. But being back in the 70s, they didn't have DNA stuff. And then the case eventually went cold. Nearly five decades later, forensic evidence from the woman that was collected at the hospital, as well as new technology, was able to pin down a suspect, only one of them. In September of 2020, Daniel Arthur Bell, who died in 2019 in Yakima, Washington, popped up as a match for the DNA. With the help of surviving family members, as well as criminal criminal records, offic- officials learned that Bell lived in the Uinta Basin in 1972 and was familiar with the back roads. He moved away from Utah after 1972, was convicted in rape in Oregon in 1988, and paroled in 1999. After which he moved to Washington and was remarried. With identifying the one suspect, 
hopefully they will be able to find the other one. But probably won't. Hopefully. But who knows? It could it's been a long time, so this next story is pretty recent and happened in Clearfield. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Because it's my podcast, I can do what I want. An elderly Utah husband and wife who were brutally beaten to death in their own home the day before Thanksgiving has been identified as the grandparents of the man who killed him. So, in Clearfield, 87-year-old Thomas Walker and 85-year-old Janice were murdered by their grandson, Jeremy Belt, who was 26 and lived with them. The investigation began Wednesday, November 23, 2022, when a 60-year-old woman, who also lived at the residence, called the police and identified herself as the daughter of the couple. She said her son was responsible. The police then rushed over and surrounded the house. Belt's mother was escorted out by police. He then surrendered himself to the authorities after asking for her. She was, she had spoken to an officer and then her son walked out of the front door. So apparently the defendant told police he confronted his grandparents about the accusations he holds against them. Uh, The confrontation prompted the walkers to try and leave to the garage, but they were unable because apparently he had cut the garage door motor wire. Also believed his grandparents and other family members attempted to harm him. In an interview with police, Belt allegedly admitted to the murders. And this is apparently what happened. First, the grandson allegedly said, or, I don't know, I don't know. He followed the couple into the garage, kicked them both in the chest, knocking them to the ground. Then he grabbed a hammer, hitting the vehicle first, before hitting them both in the back of the heads. Next, he went to his bedroom in the basement, retrieved a twenty-two rifle. Uh, he loaded one bullet and shot his grandparents in the head. And then he went and did it. So he went to his room, grabbed a bullet, shot one of them, went back, did it again. He also kicked one family member in the face, giving them a black eye. Um, so yeah. So, and that's about it. And I just read on this yesterday, and it looks like there still hasn't been a trial or anything. And I couldn't find any pictures of him, just of the grandparents. So that's it for those stories. Now we'll go to Reddit. And try and find some good stories. I don't even know which ones to do. I guess we can go to... Unsolved Mysteries. Umbre, fucking stop. Go over there.
Yeah. I don't know. There's not a whole lot. Cause I don't know what you guys like to listen to because nobody tells me what they want to listen to. There's just a lot of pictures, so. Here, we'll go to a no-sleep story. This is, I win, my Thanksgiving was far worse than yours. This was six hours ago. Kids can say the dumbest shit. Don't get me wrong, I would die for my five-year-old son. I love him more than I love myself. But that doesn't make his commentary any more meaningful. Any parent who's had to explain why jelly beans can't go on the toaster will, un will comprehend. Every parent who's had to clean melted jelly beans out of the toaster will empathize. And then it just, this is like when you look for a recipe online and they tell a whole story before they get to the important shit. That's what this is, as my wife say, it's giving me, which drives me fucking nuts, the TikTok language. It's okay. It's whatever. So, quote, Daddy, there's something scary under the bed, unquote, had gotten old long before my wife unloaded Liam into the car. Ugh, Liam. I knew a Liam once. To begin the two-day trip to her parents' house for Thanksgiving. It's your turn, I mumbled to Stacy as I rolled over on the pull-out bed. Last time I had to clean an entire bottle of Gatorade pee, she huffed. That counts for two, besides he called for you. She pushed me to the edge of the uncomfortable bed. Sighing, I stood up and shambled over to the minuscule twin bed on the other side of the room and sat down on the mattress. Liam, do you remember that I need a good night's sleep so that I won't crash a car while I'm driving tomorrow? But something's moving under the mattress, he whispered in a voice that was inappropriately dramatic. I rubbed my eyes before trying to focus on Liam's silhouette in the faint moonlight. Matt's one of my best friends from college. He's being very generous to let us stay in his house. I'm sure he gave us room without any monsters in it. That usually calms him down, but not always. This was one of those not always moments. Liam wheezed like he was finishing the final stretch of the Boston Marathon which meant that I could either check under the bed for potential threats or spend the next 30 minutes mopping up piss. The tapping is coming from beneath my pillow. Check that part first, he gasped. I'll be honest, that part made my hair stand up a little as I got on my hands and knees. Okay, Liam, I announced as I lifted the edge of his sheet, sticking my head underneath the bed right now, and, damn, it stank. What was Matt keeping under there, I blinked, struggling to see the space where the moonlight barely reached. Just turn the light on. The first thing I recognized was the eye. It just stared at me inches away from my nose. I really, really didn't want to move, because that would mean accepting what I have, what I was seeing as real. The hand on my wrist forced me into action. Her grip was slimy and gritty, and I felt cold, wet, and copper-smelling residue on my skin. I pulled away and scrambled to my feet, very angry with gravity for confusing me. I'll admit, a tiny selfish part of my brain complimented running away from Liam and heading out the door, but I ignored the thought and leapt forward, scooping my son from bed and turning around. 
it was enough time for a clammy hand to find my ankle. This time her grip felt like ice, but I broke away and stumbled and stumbled to the pull-out bed, crashing onto Stacy and Liam as Liam screamed. That was enough for her to get from fully asleep to fully standing in a quarter of a second. Dave, she gasped, what are you doing? She didn't need to finish. Oh, I read that wrong. She didn't need to finish. The woman was now crawling out from underneath Liam's bed and was visible even in the dim moonlight. It was my turn for an inappropriate piss as I realized that she was standing between us and the only door. Still urinating, I grabbed my son in one arm and my wife in the other and ran for the window. We had just enough time to crawl onto the roof before she reached us. The next couple of hours were a blur. I'd like to say I climbed down from the roof gracefully, but I'm trying to stay honest as possible. Without our car keys or cell phones, we had to pound on the neighbor's door until they woke up. The police arrived faster than answers did. Matt was taken away in handcuffs, and the woman was taken away in an ambulance. The truth eventually found its way to us. Matt had been kidnapping and torturing people, mostly women, for years. He'd pulled the tongue from the mouth of the victim beneath Liam's bed. She had actually been begging us for help as she bled to death. She didn't survive. Matt hadn't planned on letting us leave his home with this knowledge. He'd been waiting in the hall, intending to catch us as we ran out. Apparently, capturing people in the moment of panic is the biggest thrill for him. He hadn't counted on us climbing out the two-story window. That's the only reason we're still alive. He had already killed 19 people and another 13 were trapped in various places within his home in torture chambers. How big is this fucking house? At first I'd refuse to believe that any of my best friends were capable of what prosecutors claimed. But that was before they showed me his notebook which documented the grisly details of each murder. At the end of it, five pages had been set aside for Stacy, Liam, and myself. He was going to make me choose one of them to get tortured first and force me to watch every second of it. So that is how my Thanksgiving travels, travel plans went awry. I hope yours played out better. I doubt Liam will be able to sleep alone until he's a teenager. To be honest, I don't blame him. He's seen the world for the worst it can be. Kids really do say the dumbest shit. But that doesn't compare to the magnitude of adults who, adults who do the dumbest shit. That was pretty good, I won't lie. I wasn't expecting that. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm going to give that a little upvote. Um, what? This is from, I'm just scrolling. I have a, a whole community for myself that just is creepy shit. And there's one that's creepy PMs. This one has met this guy on Reddit. It looks like a Snapchat thing. Starts out with the guy. How's work? The woman. It's a bit slow today. The phones have been down. So there's been less to do. And then he said hey with three explanation points. She said that is, that's a lot of explanation points. Uh, okay, now I'm not reading the rest of That's stupid. Um, let's see if I can find another one. Here's a let's not meet called Man in the Field. 
I work overnights at a 24-hour diner. You can probably guess what company. I'm used to weird people and odd things happening, but tonight was too much. The restaurant backs up to a field that has a tree line. My cook and I went out back to smoke. We could hear someone in the... Someone in... They wrote it weird. We could hear someone in the distance yelling. But we get a lot of homeless people that come through the town that usually are harmless, so we just shrugged it off as weird and went back inside. Later, I came out again to smoke. I throw away some trash in the dumpster that is next to the field. It was stupid to go over to it, but I hadn't heard him again. As I was walking away from the dumpster, I hear, Hey, come here. Hey, come here. It was much closer than when we heard him yelling at that the first time. I went inside and got my coworker who owns a car with a spotlight on it. We shined it out onto the field, which again, not smart, we admit it. But we couldn't see where he was, but he just kept saying, Hey girl, come here. I called the cops at this point because I was just too it was just too fucking weird. As soon as I got off the phone with him, he comes walking out of the field. He's an older man wearing a trent a tan trench coat. And my coworker and a customer ran back inside because this dude was hauling ass across the parking lot. He started coming towards the door. I called the cops again. My cook cut him off, told him he needed to go. The man started acting erratically, yelling at my cook and said, I'll end your life the next time I see you, fucker. He kept moving his jacket by his waist like he was flashing a weapon, but I couldn't see anything from inside. Cops got him down the road. And an officer came by and basically said the guy was homeless and not mentally stable. We told them everything that happened and my cook pressed charges on him. The officer told us there wasn't anything they could do and wouldn't give her his name so they let him go. Basically end with that, oh by the way, he's known to carry a knife in his waistband, call if you need us. He came back again hauling ass across the neighboring parking lot back into the field. We could hear him screaming and yelling, Hey, come here, again and again. We got busy when the bars closed and haven't heard him yelling since. But I know he's still back there because I caught him sleeping behind the dumpster before. My manager comes in in the morning. I'm going to try to get her to let me take a picture of him off the security tape so I can warn other third shift workers. The field he's camping out also backs to a middle school. But the cops again said there's nothing they could do. Hopefully he moves on, leaves us alone, or the cops can get him before anyone gets hurt. Um, I'm guessing this wasn't real. I mean, it's a let's not me, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a real thing. But it is what it is. So, I think I'm just going to end it there for today. I have to start drinking beer and go to my grandparents and my in-laws and eat a lot of food. So hopefully you guys have a nice Thanksgiving because that's what it's called, not whatever PC people want it called. I don't know. Anyway, follow us on everything. Rate us five stars. We should be back on Sunday with a full episode. I think I'm just going to talk about Ivan Milat, go to Australia, down on that. So we will see you guys then. Thank you.